You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now present Your Life is Worth Living, hosted by Al Smith. Radio Maria family, and welcome to this week's edition of Your Life is Worth Living, Reflections from the Venerable Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. For over 50 years, Archbishop Sheen captivated audiences on both radio and television. Millions tuned in each week to hear his messages of hope and encouragement. It is our desire to share a few of these messages with you today. So I encourage you now to sit back and relax and enjoy one of the greatest communicators of our time, the Venerable Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. Peace, grace, and blessings to you, Radio Maria family. Thank you for joining me today to share a few of the Reflections from the Venerable Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. We just celebrated the great feast of Easter. And uh, so, Easter greetings to everyone. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. We can say that now, now that Lent is over and uh, we can start practicing our vocabulary of praise once again. And so, I thought I would share with you uh, one of the reflections that Bishop Sheen gave on Easter Sunday, and uh, of course uh, he just beautifully walked us through Lent. Uh, Archbishop Sheen has hundreds of recordings of uh, just talks he gave over a 50-year period, and uh, we're glad to share them with you. And I want to thank Radio Maria Canada for giving me the opportunity to share a few of these reflections. My name is Al Smith, and I'm the Executive Director of the Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen Mission Society of Canada. And uh, this is one of the little works of mercy that we do where we take to the radio airwaves and share a few of these classic recordings. So let's begin our program today with prayer. And I want to uh, pray the prayer for spiritual favor uh, from the Venerable Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. Uh, we are blessed as Catholics to pray to the saints, the venerables, the blesseds, uh, and the holy souls that have gone before us. And uh, we're always in need of help. So let's pray for some help here. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Eternal Father, you alone grant us every blessing in heaven and on earth through the redemptive mission of your divine Son, Jesus Christ, and by the working of the Holy Spirit. If it be according to your will, glorify your servant, Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen, by granting the favor I now request through his prayerful intercession. And here, let us offer our prayer intention. And we make this prayer confidently through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady, Seat of Wisdom, 
pray for us. Thank you so much for praying with me. And so we'll get to the reflection today from Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. Uh, It is entitled, The Power of the Resurrection. And uh, we just celebrated the great feast of Easter. So uh, he is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. So let us just sit back and relax now and enjoy this Easter reflection. In the trilogy of sermons this day, we have taken three important items of the creed. The birth of our Lord is passion and death, and now we consider his resurrection. In considering the incarnation, the practical application was that the incarnation is continuing. Our blessed Lord lays hold of new human natures who become completely identified with him, and through them he works. In considering the passion, we said the passion of Christ is continuing. Our Lord is on the cross until the end of the world. He is consciously on the cross in those who are his and who suffer. Unconsciously in those who are suffering, but they still reflect some union with Christ. And as for us who are his and are making this retreat, the application of the passion is in undertaking and promising the good Lord to do the symbolic sign of the passion, to help combat evil by watching one hour a day. Now we come to the resurrection. There are three wounds from which we are born. There is the physical wound which makes us human. There is the spiritual wound of the baptismal font which makes us Christians. There is the temporal womb of death, which brings us to eternity. Let us take the first. Suppose we were conscious while we were in the womb of our mother. Do you think that any of us would have willed to be born? We were in comfort, cared for, growing, but to be told that we were to be born into another world of which we know nothing would frighten us. We would prefer to stay where we were. To use that as an analogy for eternity. Atheist materialists will say, how do you know there's another life? But suppose a fetus were told that. 
And the child in the womb would say, you tell me there's no other life, why do I have eyes? And then even darkness. Why do I have hands? Here they are against my breast, my feet, they were made for walking and touching. Certainly these members of mine were meant to be exercised in another world. And so we have a reason, we have a will. We are dissatisfied with what we have. Our mind tells us an infinite truth. Our will wants to love without satiety and without fail. And there ought to be somewhere where these aspirations will be satisfied. But coming back now to the second womb. As we are born human, so too we are born spiritually in the womb of the baptismal father. And the third death that we undergo is the death to time, when we are born to eternity. And I wonder if we do not have exactly the same reluctance to face the new eternity as we would be reluctant in the womb to face time. In both cases, the future is unknown. We would much prefer to have what we are sure of and presently enjoy. And as Shakespeare says, to fly to others that we know not of. And yet, Physical birth ushered us into a great world of light and color, sound and poetry and beauty and loveliness. And why should we be so reluctant to face the opening of the womb of death? Is it going to be so hard after all? I rather think it will be like waking up in the morning on the day of promise. There will be indeed a torture that we will undergo, a terrible birth pain, and it will be this. We will be conscious of our sins on the one hand, and on the other hand, all our life, we've sought the Lord, we've lived for Him. So when we come before the presence of Christ at the moment of death, there will be this awful repulsion. And we will say with Peter, depart from me, O Lord, I am a sinful man. And then on the other hand, there will be this for which we've lived our life. The desire to be with Christ and possess Him. And this dialectic, this tension, this pull, this difference between attraction and repulsion will be the various purgatory. How long it will last, there's no way of telling because we're in a, a different dimension. But certainly that which is bad will immediately be burned and purged away. And I never, therefore, can conceive of entering into eternity as something that is too much to be dreaded. 
I've been through two births already, a physical and a spiritual, and they have both been delightful, and I am sure that the third will be the best of all. And so there is even a certain desire to be with the Lord. We work for him, we serve him, and the lover wishes to be with the beloved. Now, the assurance, however, of another life comes from the resurrection. And as we told you in the Incarnation and in the Passion, these things are not past, they're continuing, so the resurrection is continuing. But a word about it. Have you noticed that in the Gospel, the Gospels do not start with the empty tomb. That is where our theologians start. Where skeptics begin, the empty tomb. What do the angels tell those who were looking for Christ on Easter morning? They were saying, you are looking for Jesus Christ who was what? Crucified. If you start with the empty tomb, you'll not find Christ. If you start with the crucifixion, you will. Without a good Friday, there's no Easter Sunday. Without the crown of thorns, there was no halo of light. And notice, too, that in the resurrection, our blessed Lord only appeared to those who have some knowledge and love of him. He did not appear to Pilate, to Herod, to Annas, to Caiaphas. He did not appear to the Sadducees, to those who crucified him, only to those who knew him. Just as the Mass is principally, not solely, but principally related to the Passion of Christ, so the Real Presence is related to the Eucharist, Easter. Easter is for those who already have some knowledge of Christ, and so is the Eucharist. Now let us apply the Resurrection. I say it is not finished. There's a resurrection of the body, even in this earth. There's a resurrection of art. There's a resurrection in music. There's a resurrection of the mind and soul. There's a resurrection of the church. Take, for example, the resurrection of the body. Just think of how many bodies that were given to vice, to Satan, we have seen risen from the dead. There isn't a priest who has not seen dozens of them. In a church in London where I worked, there used to be a man come in every morning at 6.30 when the church would open 
He would not go to communion until the 8.30 Mass, and he would stay until 11, go out for an hour or two, come back in the afternoon, stay four or five hours, and then come back in the evening and stay until church closed. And he always knelt. He never used a prayer book. And I had seen him there for months and months, and I thought one day I would test him, and I said to him, were you as good always as you are now? And he said, well, considering the graces that I have received, I'm far worse now than I ever was. Then he told me about himself. He told me he was an alcoholic. And he used to take off his shoes at the pub door and sell them for a drink. And he lived in a dive. He did not work. Even now he was on dole, as they call relief in England. But he said he always kept the pledge during Lent. And then would break it on Easter. This particular Shrove Tuesday, he was out at Hyde Park, and he said to himself, tomorrow's Ash Wednesday, I have to take the pledge. And he said to himself, if I can be good for 40 days, why can't I be good for 40 years? Well, that was easy to say. But he decided he would. He went to Maiden Lane Church. There are three steps leading up from the Low Street area to the church. And he came to the church, went into the front pew for benediction in the afternoon. And as benediction began, he said, there came over him an overwhelming passion for drink and lust. So much so, he said, that it was uncontrollable. And at the moment that the priest took hold of the Blessed Sacrament, he ran down the middle aisle and he fell down the steps. And he said he turned around, it was like tearing his heart out. And he came back into the church. And he's not had a drink since, in all these years. And I said, you spend about 12 or 14 hours a day in prayer. What do you consider a good day? He said, 24. I live in the same dive that I always lived in, and I kneel alongside of my cot all night long and pray for the men who are just exactly like I am. That's the resurrection of the body. That power had to come from somewhere. Same is true as of addicts. I was up in Harlem about a month or two ago talking to addicts. And I said to them, if I took a ball and threw it down this auditorium, the center aisle, it would go in a straight line unless one of you put out your foot and diverted me. So all of you addicts are going toward greater and greater addiction. There's nothing that's going to stop you unless some superior power intervenes and changes the direction. And that power has got to be grace. 
And if you have to go through an agony, you go through a good Friday because you can't have an Easter without it. You just don't start with that empty tomb. You start with Christ and Him crucified. Take the case of Arthur Blessed. Arthur Blessed is a, a Baptist minister. And he came to Los Angeles and rented a house on the Strip, which is one of the foulest streets in Los Angeles. He called it the way. He kept it open night and day. And from 10 o'clock in the morning until about 4 in the morning, about 4,000 prostitutes, pimps, addicts, alcoholics, degenerates would come into that house. Arthur Blessed always carried a scripture in his hand. He would see them as they came in and say to them, Would you like to change your life and give it to the Lord? Many of them would say no, and he would approach them again. And if they became nasty, he let them pass. But it was amazing how many stopped. And you would have each of them get down on the knees, and you would begin to pray with them, read the scripture. Every single night he had an average of 2,000 doses of heroin, cocaine, and other kinds of dope given up in what he called his toilet service. They would be put down the toilet. And these young people would give up their addiction. One young man whom I met out there told me uh, that he was a heroin addict for three years. And he said he met Blessed when he went into the house and Blessed asked him and he said he cursed Blessed and Blessed gave him a kindly answer. And he said, he told him to kneel down. And this young man told me, he said, you know, he tore my heart out, literally, the way he prayed for me. And at the end of a half hour, I said, all right, I'm willing to give myself to Christ. And he said, I haven't touched it since. This is the resurrection of the body. And believe me, many of our cures for these things are slow, they're good, but there are also rapid cures. When there's great trust in the Lord and in the resurrection, miracles are worked. The trouble is today we no longer believe in miracles. There are miracles of resurrection. A woman came to me once, she told me she spent $6,000 a year on alcohol. She was in the hospital four times a year with the delirium tremens. She said, I get drunk, I throw the key out of the window, and lock myself in the room. And she said, how can I stop? She was not a Catholic. And I said, my good woman, I, I can't help you because you love alcohol more than you love anything else in the world. 
But if I can ever get you to love something else more than alcohol, then maybe you'll give it up. Because you do not drive out evil, you're crowded out. So bring something else in. That's what we're trying to do in retreat. Bring evil, bad habits that we have. We cannot by our own power say, oh, I'm going to give this up. We don't. I'm going to change. We don't. We've got to crowd it out. We've got to bring in Christ. So I spent an hour explaining the crucifixion to her. And I said, where do you start drinking? She told me, and I said, tomorrow night when you go into that bar, you ask yourself if you love our Lord enough to give it up. And come back to me, drunk or sober. She came back sober and continued to be sober, and later on received her into the church. I will not labor you with any more stories of the resurrection of the body, but let me tell you, there's the resurrection of the body. There's the resurrection of the mind and the soul, too. There are many souls that are slipping away. One can see them sometimes. One can tell by the reaction to one thing, to the preaching of Christ. Talk on sociology, talk on psychology, talk on liturgy. These are outer truths. Outer truths are truths that do not affect us, like the distance of the earth and the sun. But you wouldn't talk about Christ as an inner truth. We become involved. And so there will be a kind of rebellion and a reaction against it. But these minds, too, can be saved. Here in England, the editor of the newspaper of the Communist, the Daily Worker, is listening one night to the radio what they call the wireless. He and his wife, he too was a member of the Communist Party. And I think it was Litvinov who was on the radio at the time. And Litvinov was talking about peace. And finally she got up and she shut off the radio. She said, I don't think Litvinov wants peace. I think he wants war. And he said, don't you be talking that way. You are not talking like a communist. She said, I don't care what I'm talking like. I don't think he wants peace. She said, if you continue to, he said, if you continue to talk that way, I will report you to the party. And you will be disciplined. She said, report me. I don't care. He said, do you know what you're beginning to talk like? You're beginning to talk as if you might become a Catholic. She said, I am. He said, shake, so am I. Now, here's a husband and wife, Douglas Hyde. He told me this story himself. Editing the communist newspaper, living together, eating together, working together. What made that ball change direction? What gave them the resurrection? Suddenly they saw Christ. 
Oh, how often when I am talking, when I see souls that could be risen from the dead could change. How I wish the Lord would give me the power to do it. Take Louis Boudens, the editor of the communist newspaper of the United States, whom I received into the church. When I met him, he started to abuse me. That's always the reaction. But later on, he and his wife and children were received into the church, and one of his daughters is now a nun. The resurrection of the mind. Take the winner of the Nobel Prize in Russia, Solzhenitsyn. Solzhenitsyn was a communist, an atheist. Last November he was baptized. The winner of the Nobel Prize. And in one of his stories, called The First Circle, First Circle of Hell, Zeb is in love with a, a girl who is a member of the secret police. But Zeb is married. And he knows that if he refuses to live with this police woman, she will report him to the government and he will go to Siberia. He breaks with her, is sentenced to seven years in Siberia, because he said to her, I believe in moral absolutes. I shall return to my wife. The resurrection of the body. The resurrection of music. Beethoven's Seventh Symphony and Mitha Solemnis he never heard. At the age of 31, he decided to take his life. How could he be a musician and a composer and deaf? And then he said, read in the scriptures, the kingdom of God is within. So he said, from now on, I'm going to accept my trial in union with the passion of Christ. And then began his great music, third, fifth, seventh symphony, and the Eroica. The resurrection of a mind of art. He could have gone downhill so easily. So resurrections are taking place if we only believed in the resurrection. But today we use the word hope as Ernest Bloch uses it, meaning futurity, everything will be fine. We used to have the signs plastered all over churches. Indeed, there is hope. But believe me, there is Christian hope only in the light of the cross and the resurrection. It is not in futurity. 
things do not necessarily get better. White fences do not become wider. Gardens do not become less weedy. And we are going down spiritually get worse, and we rot. Future does not make us better. Oven by itself. And when we have this outlook on life, we believe in the power of the resurrection, then we can all change. Then life is adventurous. One of the reasons today that people are so pessimistic, full of anxieties, fears, psychosis, is simply because life has no meaning for them. They can never see that the great law of life is you come out of a grave and you can with the power of God. What a difference there is between detective stories and the Christian gospel. All detective stories put off the end to the very last page. There's a great mystery play in London that has been running for about 15 or 20 years. And when you go into a theater in London, you tip the girl that gives you your seat. And one man refused to tip the girl, and she said to him, the butler did it, and spoiled the mystery. So, in, in pagan mysteries, detective stories, it's always you have to wait until the end. But, in the great classical literature, Homer, Shakespeare, they tell you the story at the very first line. You know what's going to happen. But it is then done so skillfully that you have a great interest in how one achieves that end. I remember in the days when we crossed the Atlantic by boat and when we were seasick so often. Ms. Ring Lardner said the first half hour you're seasick, you're afraid you're going to die, and the next half hour you're afraid you won't. And I can remember one trip where there was a dog up on the top deck. And he barked at everyone, no one could placate him, and he refused to eat. I can remember another voyage where there was another dog and a little girl used to come up to see him about ten times a day. And what made the difference? Well, the first dog didn't know where he was. Here he was in the midst of an ocean, no familiar smells, nothing that he recognized. What's going to happen to him? Life was dull. For the other, well, the little girl, somehow or other, would never have put him there unless she knew that he was going to be all right. So he would suffer it for a while. And there must be somewhere a pilot that is going to bring them out of the difficulty. And so life became a great adventure. We know where we are going. And therefore our life can be full of joy, no matter what happens. As T.S. Eliot put it, 
under the analogy of a surgeon operating, the wounded surgeon plies the steel that questions each distempered part. Beneath his bleeding hands we feel the soft compassion of the healer's art, solving the enigma of the fever chart. So as St. Paul says, whether we are bound or whether we need, there is joy. If we die, we will be with Christ. If we live, Christ will be with us. What else can we want? That's peace. That's happiness.
You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program, Your Life is Worth Living, hosted by Al Smith. Hello, Radio Maria family. I'm your host, Al Smith, and I want to thank you for joining me once again to listen to a few of the reflections from the Venerable Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. I hope many of you were touched by his talk entitled, The Power of the Resurrection. And it's been a privilege here to share a number of these Lenten reflections with you over the last few weeks here on Radio Maria Canada. And again, I want to thank the staff and the volunteers at Radio Maria for their tireless work uh, that they put forward to bring about the salvation of souls. Uh, They are here to help proclaim Christ and the love of God. And uh, we would ask for your prayerful and financial support as we continue to strive to serve the Lord in this very special way. People often ask me, where do I get all my good Bishop Sheen stuff? And uh, it's a labor of love, but I found all of it on the internet. It is amazing if you sit behind a computer and you start to do those Google searches, what you can find. And, uh, you know, I start off with the telephone apps. Um, You hear young people all the time, oh, you've got to download this app. You've got to uh, download this program. And so I started with the Bishop Sheen phone app. And it's uh, a very easy app to install. It's free. So naturally, I gravitated to the word free. And uh, so I have an iPhone and... um, I downloaded it to my iPhone, and there was about 50 of his recordings uh, downloaded to my phone, and so I could listen to Bishop Sheen uh, while I was driving, and uh, different times I could just put my phone on speaker and listen to his wisdom. And my uh, daughter actually has an Android device, all these different names for this technology, and so she downloaded the full uh, Fulton Sheen collection uh, through uh, Google Play. And uh, so she has uh, hundreds of talks on her cell phone from uh, Bishop Sheen by just clicking a few uh, buttons. And so it's amazing. So that's how I started, with just a few free downloads. And then, of course, there's many good people that sell uh, Bishop Sheen recordings, and I strongly recommend that you support them. Uh, My favorite site is a site called FultonSheen.com, and uh, it's just the same spelling of his name, F-U-L-T-O-N, Sheen, S-H-E-E-N. So FultonSheen.com, and there there's uh, well over 300 talks, and uh, just pennies, uh, $27, I think it was, that I paid back in 2009, and I think the price hasn't changed. And uh, there I have the whole uh, collection now. Uh, there in my computer, on my uh, phone, uh, on my tablet, so uh, I can carry Sheen wherever I go. And then the web sites that have the videos, um, you know, I just noticed time and time again, YouTube had this video and that video. So what I did was I put them all together. There was about a hundred of them out there. And, uh, you know, Bishop Sheen was on television for five seasons um, in the 50s. So um, the, the season he wore the, won the Emmy Award, uh, of course, as the most outstanding television personality. But uh, beautiful classic recordings. And um, 
they've remastered them and um uh, again, I'm very in- indebted to a family in Rochester who uh, took the time to redo all of those uh, uh, television shows to uh, enhance the film quality. Uh, these are the shows that you see on Mother Angelica's EWTN. And um, again, there is a group there, and they have a website uh, simply entitled bishopsheen.com. And there you could purchase uh, all of his old recordings. Uh, Remastered on DVDs and VHS, um, and, it, and I can't help but uh, thank them because they helped me uh, so many years ago when I started to broadcast on the air. And so their site, again, bishopsheen.com. Um, but again, they're out there. So uh, just you can just Google Bishop Sheen, and the YouTube videos come up. Great educational piece. Uh, we always need to learn our faith. And so I just say to people again, sit in front of the computer, Google Bishop Sheen, Google Fulton Sheen, uh, Google (laughs) Archbishop Sheen, uh, and it all comes up there. Very, very, very wise choice. Let me tell you that indeed. And a very wise choice for you joining us at Radio Maria here. And uh, we are a worldwide radio postulate, and so it is... Uh, very encouraging to think that somebody in France is listening now, somebody in England, someone in the United States of America and Canada. Uh, this is the beauty of the Internet. So uh, a shout-out to everyone around the world. Thank you for tuning in to Radio Maria. And uh, this show uh, emanates from Canada. And uh, again, it is one of those things where uh, you could be in a remote village somewhere as long as you have an Internet connection you can post programs. So uh, we're here in Toronto, Canada. And again, my thanks to Radio Maria Canada for giving me the airtime here to share Bishop Sheen. Uh, I thought I would just take a quick musical break here. Uh, We enjoyed Jackie Ivanko's edition of Panos Angelicus. And I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but still, it's a beautiful music. And so I will uh, entertain you now with another musical selection.
Hello, Radio Maria family, and welcome to Your Life is Worth Living here on Radio Maria Canada, a Catholic voice wherever you are. I'm your host, Al Smith, and I want to thank you once again for joining me for this hour of reflection. Uh, We were listening to the Venerable Archbishop Sheen give us a reflection entitled The Power of the Resurrection, and so I pray that you will experience that power. And I methodically chose these two beautiful songs from Jackie Ivanko, uh, Panis Angelicus, and Pie Jesus, because they actually tie in beautifully to this Easter message. And um, we think of how on Holy Thursday, our good Lord instituted the sacrament of the Eucharist and uh, how we cannot live without the Eucharist. It is the source and summit of our lives. And so that beautiful song, Panas Angelicus, talks about the bread from heaven. And uh, can't listen to that song enough. Uh, Even though I may not understand Latin, uh, I always have the English translation close by. And then that beautiful song, Pie Jesus, uh, talks about the merciful Jesus who takes away the sins of the world. And he actually you know, died so that we could go to heaven. He took upon him the sins of the world so that we may live. And so let us celebrate that Christ took on the sins of the world and that he is a merciful Jesus as we get closer to celebrating the Feast of Divine Mercy uh, the Sunday after Easter Sunday. So uh, just a theme there. Again, God's great mercy. And so thank you for being merciful to me, your host, Al Smith, and listening to me as I, you know, sometimes just ramble on a little bit, but I'm just, uh, I can't contain my joy uh, of what Bishop Sheen has done for millions and millions of souls. Uh, I have to tell you a quick story. My father is a convert uh, because of Bishop Sheen. And he listened to him on the radio in 1940 uh, for a number of years. And then in the 50s, he came on television. Uh, And my father wasn't Catholic. He just, of course, became Catholic, but it was because he was being catechized by Bishop Sheen week in and week out. And so it is our hope that we'll be able to share some of those powerful lessons that brought not only my father to Christ, but uh, brought millions of others to Christ. And uh, he has a worldwide apostolate. Remember, Bishop Sheen, for 18 years, was the um, the director of the Pontifical Mission Society. Uh, and, of course, his outreach was worldwide. So, uh, again, he has hundreds of thousands of souls to his record. And uh, my father is one of them. So, thanks be to God. Let us uh, finish our time together here with prayer. Uh, I love praying for the canonization of the Venerable Fulton J. Sheen. We hope the Church will declare him a saint one day. So please join me. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, source of all holiness, you raise up within the Church in every age men and women who serve with heroic love and dedication. You have blessed your Church through the life and ministry of your faithful servant, Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. He has written and spoken well of your divine Son, Jesus Christ, and was a true instrument of the Holy Spirit in touching the hearts of countless people. If it be according to your will, for the honor and glory of the Most Holy Trinity 
and for the salvation of souls, we ask you to move the church to proclaim him a saint. And we ask this prayer through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, I want to give you homework until next time, and so your homework will be to get on the internet, if you have access, and look up some Bishop Sheen. Uh, Again, uh, my recommendation is that you visit um, my good friend at FultonSheen.com, where the free Bishop Sheen phone app is. And so download the app on your phone and get started there. And if you don't have access to the internet, the library is a good place. And so go to the library and uh, try to find some good Bishop Sheen reading. And uh, you will be glad you did. And so until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord let his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you kindly and bring you peace. Your Life is Worth Living, hosted by Al Smith, here on Radio Maria Canada.